Hi, it's the team talk. I'm Josh Sexton, Jurgen Klopp. Has just held his pre Aston Villa press conference and joining me to react to that are Ian Ryan, Fuad Hassan, and Sean O'Donnell. Um, there was obviously a lot of Steven Gerrard chat when Jurgen Klopp first sat down uh, for his press conference, said there'll be no Steven Gerrard questions today, but the journalists obviously didn't listen to that and, uh, and proceeded to make 90% of the press conference all about Steven Gerrard. So we will, of course, get stuck into some of that. We'll also come on to talk about Fabinho because there was a little question about him, and it's a good jumping off point for us to not talk about Steven Gerrard for a bit. Um, we'll then go to Ben Anderson for the opposition view, who I'm sure will tell us all about Steven Gerrard. Aston Villa and then we'll do team selection and predictions in the third part of the show um, I'll come to you first Sean because um, it, it was it was quite funny really wasn't it and Jürgen Klopp seemed in a good mood to sort of answer these questions and there was there was a lot to take from it really I particularly sort of liked the way he was addressing the, the, the Gerrard to Liverpool sort of future because I think we all we all think that's just a done thing and, and maybe to an extent it is but I just love the way that Jürgen Klopp sort of addressed it because he was like look yeah, Steven Gerrard might get the job in the future but he still needs to come here and win things it's not just you don't just get it on sentiment and all that kind of thing you have to get it on merit and I think that's you know Stephen Gerrard would accept that as well. Yeah, I thought it was funny. He, he didn't pull any punches, did he? He no. just they said um, something like, "Do you think Gerrard will eventually be the manager at, at Liverpool?" And he was like, "Definitely." I was like, "Oh, fair enough." But no, he was funny the way he said um, talking about you know managers have to win trophies elsewhere before they come to Liverpool. He said that's not really important in his eyes. It's important that you win trophies when you're at Liverpool, yeah. which I think which I think was good. But Klopp seemed in a, in a really good mood to be honest. He was he was joking about it at the start, and then you know as as you said there when they asked him about Fabinho, he was almost like thanking the journalist, wasn't he? <laughs> Because they were talking about talking about you know his own players. So so yeah, listen. I thought Klopp was great. I thought he answered the Gerard questions with almost like he was buttering Gerard up a bit. I feel like Gerard's probably sitting there watching. I think, oh my god, he's he's proper gone for me there. <laughs> like you know what I mean. So no, I thought, I thought he was brilliant. I like the idea. I feel that it's like bordering on needle the way that he's talked about Steven Gerrard and that because like he's been so nice about him. And Steven Gerrard's sort of like mantra all week has been, I'm just going to avoid any sentiment around this game. I'm just going to go in there and do a professional job. And then Jurgen Klopp's just gone. Oh yeah, love Steven Gerrard. Everyone loves Steven Gerrard. <laughs> We're all going to have a lovely time. Yeah, you, you know Steven Gerrard sat back watching that and. and is probably probably shivering at it just because he doesn't he's not a player who you know when he was when he was playing he wasn't a player who liked to be talked about like that either you know he's very much the the, the task at hand and and I expect the same on on, on Saturday I think even you know the, he he said in his own press conference Gerard that he doesn't expect the the Anfield crowd to be you know singing his songs through the ninety minutes and you know I don't think we do either so the, you know Klopp sort of knew I think going in that he was going to get loads of questions you could tell from his tone quite early on that he was just sort of going to going to pan them away as as honestly and as bluntly as he possibly could and yeah it was it was, it was a good little watch wasn't it <laughs> yeah Ian I I particularly enjoyed the sort of the quote around the Stephen Gerrard sort of you know shrugging off the sentiment from Jurgen Klopp here he said Steve you'll probably have no idea how it'll feel when he steps in the stadium I had it in a similar way first time back at Mines and back at Dortmund with LFC I've never heard a negative word about Steven Gerrard I think I think Steven is probably being a bit naive thinking that there's going to be like no reception for him at Anfield I think when he comes out he'll quite quickly realise and we've you know we've seen it with past managers before when you know Julio's come back and Benitez has come back that Anfield can sort of make it that before the game and, and after the game but you know during the 90 minutes he's, he's not going to get any favour I don't think No 100% and that's how it has to be uh, unfortunately so I think you're right to say you'll probably get the clap and the ovation when he comes out and then it ends there Josh for me um, take the sentiment out of it uh, as Gerard said himself and then maybe it becomes a thing if Liverpool have got the game wrapped up and it's a 3-0 it's a or something like that and maybe one or two songs break out but this is a massive game and the story leading into it is all about Steven Gerrard and you understand that to some extent given what he did as a player but I want the narrative to be very much about Liverpool's performance after the game hoping it's going to be another another really kind of resounding performance really where we've taken this team apart because we look superb at the minute I mean it's hard to kind of find the words sometimes I mean even when they go to Milan midweek you're thinking well it's a scratch team 
the best he might do is a draw maybe given that Milan have got everything to play for Liverpool have got nothing to play for it's all about kind of just conserving energy wrapping players in cotton wool obviously it's a slightly stronger team than maybe some of us thought um, but it's another win ticked off and we go into this weekend flying into it yeah, absolutely, Sean. And you imagine the players will be professional about this as well. That's that's sort of almost one of the blessings. This look, we expect Jurgen Klopp to, to lean into sentiment in, in the way that he has done has done today. We expect you know us as fans and the Anfield crowd in general to receive Stevie warmly. But you know those players on the pitch, as, mu- as much as I respect Stephen Jard for, for his Liverpool career and all those things, all his achievements, they're still just going to play Aston Villa and what's in front of them. Uh, absolutely, I, I actually think this plays a lot more into our hands than into their hands because yeah. I think all those players. You know, you think about when Milner, when, when we won the European Cup in Madrid, first thing he did was put six up to the crowd. I think Klopp's drummed that into him. Go and create your own history. So Gerard, who is the biggest figure of our recent history coming back, they'll want to show him. They'll want to show I think you can see it in Klopp's eyes as well in the press conference. He's almost sort of laughing to himself, thinking, wait, wait, till, wait till we let, let ourselves loose on you. Wait till, wait till you see what we can do. Um, because, listen... Gerard was obviously he is obviously a legend at our club, but the history we've created since he's gone mm. is all right as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. To be honest, I think it'll be a great occasion. As Ian says, let's let's give Gerard a good reception at the start. But as soon as that whistle whistle goes, that's it. Then it's like let, let's show Gerard the new Liverpool. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll come back to you on that because there's a good point you made there, and I think Klopp has sort of referenced this in the past about the idea of not you know respecting history, but not carrying history in our backpacks and not sort of carrying that weight of history. And Gerard was obviously you know a Liverpool player who who carried a lot of the weight of Liverpool's history. History in, in, in his backpack and it's sort of worn him at times but that's been one of the big things Klopp's emphasised with, with all the players who've come through is that there is that respect for history and, and as you say you see it with James Milner but none of them carry it and none of them necessarily feel that way apart from maybe Jordan Henderson Yeah yeah, I, th- I think we've, we've broke well free of that now mm. I think you look, you look at you know every player across the board even like so players you, you would come in and you'd, you'd expect them to have that backpack on they're the senior players now yeah. so they, they, they can say to the young players that are coming through or whoever's in the squad listen we've got our own history there we, 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 we are by far and they're probably not saying this but they are by far the best Liverpool team of recent history yeah. you know better than all the teams Gerard played in and Gerard will probably admit that himself you know I think he has admitted that so so yeah get the Gerard thing out of the way early and let's let's show them what we can do absolutely Fuad and, and there's there's obviously a lot of sentiment attached to this I think that's you know you wouldn't be a human being if you if you didn't sort of understand the sentiment attached to this and that'll be the case you know if, if there's Steven Gerrard being touted for the Liverpool job in the future it'll be the case probably every time he comes to Stanfield because he is such a legend of a player and I think that's one thing that you can't sort of get away from and it's why I was quite pleased today that Jurgen Klopp did just sort of lean into that a bit more and, and he wasn't shying away from it and, and, and he talked about Steven in those terms because I think he he knows better than anyone and the man manager he is that he's not going to be able to, to ever sort of shed that and, and obviously as I said before he wants to have that respect for the history as well no exactly and and these are two two you know managers and, and people i guess who've who've kind of harnessed the emotional side of football better than, than, than most throughout their career i think you know gerard in a different way and and, and klopp in, in another way where you know we talk about the baggage in terms of the history of, of, of this club and and how it how it can be intimidating and it has been intimidating for for players and managers of the past but they sort of harnessed that you know we talk about european nights they knew that was a thing they knew that they could bring that out again in in within uh, within this club and within the fan base and they've used that as a positive rather than something to bag them down and it's the same thing with 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 Steven you know you you just think you know he's one where now he's in a situation where he does have to kind of switch that off and we're allowed to be sentimental with him when he comes at the beginning like like we've all said and and, and give him the ovation because you can't forget the moments you can't forget everything that's attached with him and 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 this club you know a large part of the history is tied to him so it, it will be there, but these are, these are both coaches and both people that I think are good at, at, at distinguishing the line when it becomes a, as a positive uh, and then when it becomes a negative. 
Yeah, and Phil talks about sort of harnessing the atmosphere area, and I think that's a, de- a dead interesting point. And one of the things that sticks out the most to me from the press conferences is this quote from Ewan Klopp. He said, there is sentiment, we love Stephen, but we will go with all we have, sing songs, give him the best reception ever, before and after, but during the 95 minutes, we need everyone behind us. And that's all, that about sums it up for me, because Liverpool can create you know, an atmosphere for Stephen Gerrard. They can show their appreciation to Stephen Gerrard, but then that atmosphere has to, has to lean into during the 90 minutes we get behind our lads. 100%. I mean, we are in a title race. Let's, yeah. let's, let's yeah. let it rise, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So, if this was maybe the last game of the season and there was nothing riding on it, then you may see a, a kind of different atmosphere. But it's all about the three points, Josh. And I think, you know, we're about to enter a really, really busy period. Um, this Liverpool team under Jürgen Klopp yeah. feels primed for these festive periods now. Um, he's almost got his condition to the point where when these games arrived in cl- arrive in close proximity, we're really, really kind of... Say we're really developed for them, um, and we've seen some of our best results in recent years over that festive period. I've got no reason to think it won't be the same this time round. You know, if you think about what's gone on since that West Ham defeat, there's been six victories Liverpool, mm. um, and I think sometimes it's easy, isn't it? After the defeat, you kind of almost think, you know, the world's ending and stuff, and then you go and put six wins together like that: four in the league, two in the Champions League, um, and the Champions League ones have been have been impressive because there's been nothing essentially riding on them, but yet there's still almost that desire to go out and, and kind of claim the three points and stuff and I can't wait for tomorrow and it's nothing to do with Steven Gerrard going back to Anfield to be honest um, whilst it's great to see him get a job in the Premier League and I think it's important for him in terms of developments if he's going to have any hopes of managing Liverpool Football Club Klopp talks about maybe he hasn't got to win any trophies maybe that maybe that is a thing but he's going to have to get Villa really really competitive and get them right up the league to the point where they're probably challenging and around the top six maybe pushing for fourth maybe he picks up a cup along the way um, but I hope it's a long way off because we want this manager yeah. to stay <laughs> you know we really do and if he does go in the next two or three years then maybe Gerard is a candidate but Again, back to the no sentiment thing. You, you can't be handing this job out to anyone. Um, just Look because United. just because they're a name, mm. exactly. It's got to be the best person with the best credentials who gets this role, um, whatever that may be. Um, but tomorrow is huge, and I think you know it's the league's starting to take a little bit of shape now. We knew the top three would be the top three, but there's a bit of a gap. I know West Ham get the win last week, but there's still a gap, not only in points but in quality as well. And it's really, really important that Liverpool keep the foot down tomorrow. Yeah, Sean, obviously we've talked throughout this about just how good this team is. And one of Liverpool's leading lights, particularly during this recent run, or the lighthouse, as, as Pep Linders calls him, is obviously Fabinho. And I loved, I loved like you said before, about Jurgen Klopp sort of thanking the journalists for asking that question because it felt like a bit of a break from the sort of Steven Gerrard. But the question in itself was, was quite strange, really, because he was he was being asked Klopp whether he thinks that Fabinho was underrated. And I, and I loved his response. He was basically just like, I'll ask his teammates if, if they think he's underrated because I think that's, that's a, a big thing in this Liverpool team in particular because there are so many stars there sort of needs to be like you know not an outside perception for, for some of the players and I think Fabinho is one of those lads who strikes me as he's happy to just get on with his job and, and let all the other lads take the limelight yeah absolutely there's um, there's a lot of talk about who the most important player in our team is and you know straight away you think Van Dijk Salah you know the goalie but there's a lot to be said for Fabinho mm-hmm. I mean just look at last year he, he went to centre half and he, he was he was great when he was there but without without him in midfield we, we didn't have a midfield really <clears throat> I know there was other people missing but the second he went back in the midfield we started winning games again um, it's no coincidence for me that you know when he does drop back that we, we lose all those games in a, in a row and not because he's playing at the back just because he's not in midfield where he basically runs the games for us mm-hmm. um, you know he's like he's like a magnet to the ball sometimes honestly I'm sitting there watching him some games thinking how's he getting that and yeah. he just gets every single one go go um, gadget legs yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so listen underrated you know I, I think Klopp was surprised when they said that to him and, and I'm half surprised hearing that now because for me everyone you speak to particularly around Liverpool knows how important he is 
And for me, there's an argument to say he is our most important player. Yeah, and Fuad as well. Jurgen Klopp sort of says it within his quote about this and, and the idea that, you know, Fabinho probably doesn't need people from outside to, to be perceiving him any kind of way because his, his teammates give him that credit. And also, I think, you know, when this Liverpool team does sort of be, gets dismantled in the future and we look back on its legacy, Fabinho will be an absolutely massive part of that. And we want this midfield at the moment that we've got with Thiago, him and Henderson to keep going. But but actually, he is probably one of the most important that in terms of, you know, getting him on the pitch week in, week out because he's been so crucial to the success of this side. Definitely. I mean, we always talk about the spine of this Liverpool team, don't we? And each one of those are equally as important. I don't mm. think you can you can say, you know, the, the centre-halves are more important than the midfield. And I think with Fabinho, you get the impression from, from some of the quotes today from Klopp that, you know, he's also one of those where he sets the standards in training. He, he's, he's got that kind of thing about him where he's just constantly on it and at such a high level, both, you know, off the pitch and on the pitch. And I just, I, you know, I've said it before in these shows that, you know, playing midfield for Liverpool is really, really hard. And it's really, you could be made to look really silly quite easily as well. And for him to put in the consistency over the last, what, six, six games, seven games is, is brilliant because there have been some tough, tough games home and away. And he's just, he, he seems to be at a, at a point where he, and maybe it's, you know, the partnership and the people around him getting the right blends really important. But he just seems to be in the right place now all the time. And there's that clip going around up from Wolves, isn't there, of, of him and Thiago basically shutting down Traore yeah. and making those two tackles. And that's what we're seeing all the time now, that the opposition are just not getting out. And he just, he's just been right at the pinnacle all of that. And I saw, you know, Gary Neville did a thing, didn't he, on Rodri the other day and saying he's probably the best the best six in the world. And there's, you know, loads of arguments for that. And he, and he has been brilliant this season. But Fabinho's right up there. Fabinho, the, the things that he's asked to do, very different to Rodri and the things that he's, He's, he's sort of managing to do and drag this mid Liverpool midfield up has is, is been brilliant over the last few weeks. Yeah, and Ian, we obviously acknowledge that the, the personal accolades are, are important to these players. I think you see it with, with Mo Salah and, and sort of, you know, his reaction to, to coming seventh in the Ballon d'Or and his reaction in general when he when he probably doesn't receive the, the personal accolade that he thinks he, he should receive. But Fabinho strikes me as one of those lads who just sort of knows his role and, and, and his role in the team is is probably a little more on the understated side, but it's not it's not understated to us as, as Liverpool fans. You know, Fabinho is held in, in about as high a regard as it gets. And, you know, Shaw mentions it there when you, when you go through a list of Liverpool players and, and their importance, he's, he's absolutely right up there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you'll remember this when we signed him. We were on our way back from Kiev, weren't we? Yep. Um, and it, that, that signing, that, that just kind of turned the kind of night on its head a little bit. We were all a bit down, obviously, but given what had happened, then next minute, it was just fucking garbage <laughs> because we'd signed this fella and some of us hadn't even heard of him, do you know what I mean? But uh, obviously, I had. Yeah. <laughs> it'd it'd no, been but, nice if we made it to Prague, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we'd, we'd obviously seen little bits of him um, and obviously obviously played for Monaco against Man City and stuff. And we, we knew, I think, we were getting a, a good footballer. I'm not sure any of us quite knew how good he was. Mm. Um and you know what the lads have said there is spot on. You, you, you could absolutely say he is, without doubt, one of the most important players. And we've got lots of players you'd put in the world class bracket, and he's all he's also in there. I think the Rodri comparison that Neville did uh, was interesting. I think Rodri has had a good season, yeah. but I wouldn't swap Fabinho for yeah. anyone. And it's not just a, I don't think it's just a Liverpool bias thing. A player, I just think he's he's that much better than all of the other kind of people you'd put in that number six bracket. I think the only time you ever see any weakness for Fabinho is probably when he's come back from injury and he maybe takes a game or two just to get back to his normal level. And there's lots of footballers who, who have similar problems when they're coming back from little injuries. Um, but normally, week to week, he is one of the lads who you can say you can absolutely rely on him. And I think you know it's really important that 
kind of partnership he's forging with Thiago. I think you saw it towards the end of last season. It really blossomed. They complement each other so well. You know, good footballers invariably do complement each other, and they do um, massively. And I thought, you know, the performance last week against Wolves was just another one to add to the list. Where yeah. them together in the midfield, it gives you so much. Not only defensively, and we know Thiago can do little bits defensively as well. Um, that part of his game is maybe slightly underrated. But he obviously can do quite a lot going forward. And don't forget, you know, Fabinho's also got a pass in his locker where he can just yeah. drop it over someone's head. We've seen him do that in the past. You know, Man United springs to mind at Anfield where he just drops it over someone's head. Yeah. Um, what a footballer. Um, and as I say, another one who we've managed to tie down. There's one or two more to still tie down. But he's been brilliant for us, Josh, since he come in. Absolutely, yeah. And we're hoping he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet this Saturday as well. But first, I'm going to hand you over now to the opposition view before we come back to talk about team selections. <laughs> with Ben Anderson to talk about Aston Villa or as they are now corporately called Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa uh, whether or not anyone likes it or not the one thing I would say uh, Ben was we've been speaking about Villa well for, for a long period of time but over the course of this season the thing you've kept saying when you've been coming onto our shows has been about we've got to defend better that everything Villa does that's good always stems from defensive stability first and foremost and it's what Dean Smith did back in yeah. the championship and then brought the side up and it's what he did post-Covid was that there was huge amounts of defensive stability the first thing that Steven Gerrard looks to have done with the exception of a crazy first half against Leicester is introduce a ton of defensive stability to Aston Villa yeah I mean we're still conceding we've only had one clean sheet under Gerrard so far that was his first game against Brighton but you know what we're not letting too many in you know one goal against Leicester uh, two against Man City one from Crystal Palace yeah the defensive stability seems to be there and you know what thank God for Ashley Young because Matt Target's out at the moment Target has not been having a great season anyway I don't think personally and I'd prefer to see Ashley Young starting on that left back position all the time but Young thank God he can play right wing he can play in the centre of the park he can play left back and um, yeah, I, I think we're looking really good, solid. And of course, we've got the um, sixth best goalkeeper in the world between the sticks at Villa Park <laughs> as well, which always helps. I'll tell you what, he's been having a good few weeks, to be fair to him. The other, he has been having a good few weeks. He seems to have come back alive. The other thing I noticed in the, the, the Leicester game, which I did watch, was that whether or not Brendan Rodgers has a bad half time. Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa have a really good half-time. It was night and day, mm. the two performances. The intensity ratcheted right up second yeah. half from Villa. And listen, Leicester should have been over the hill and far away, if we're all honest about it, even with the disallowed yeah. goal. They had chance after chance after chance after chance. But then second half, they barely get a kick. And that, to me, suggests that that you know that it's a good unit, first and foremost. This is a team that's actually been through a fair bit together, and that shouldn't be underestimated. But they really, I thought, they really sorted themselves out. Yeah, well, uh, Gerard said after the game that he wants to see the second half performance without him having to get into their ribs at half-time, I think was his exact phrase. I think he's come in and it, it, there's a lot of reports about how he's not he's not standoffish, but he's not an arm-round manager. You know, he's yeah. definitely making the players play for him. And I think, you know, when you, a bloke like Gerard, the career that he had, you know, he's been there, he's done that, and he... He's not someone who's talking the talk. He's walked the walk. And I think the players respect that. And you saw that in the second half because, yeah, we talked about defensive stability for Villa as well, but we talked loads about, you know, I've watched so many Villa performances and I liked Dean Smith. I've got to say that. I, I like the man. I think he did a great job for Villa. I was sad when he went. When Stevie's name came up, I thought, all right, that's probably the best replacement we could have had for him. But there were times when we just looked a bit lacklustre. And actually what Steven Gerrard's brought to the team is a bit of grit and a bit of determination. And yes, solidly as a team, but also individual performances. We're seeing players come alive who haven't been alive for a long time. Ollie Watkins, for example, for so long, he looked great on the ball, but he, was, he wasn't finishing. Now he's got, you know, up for goal of the month, which is great. And I, I just feel like 
Steven Gerrard is bringing it, it's a play for me or get off the pitch. You know, he's not, he's not worried. He's not coming in. And he's not pussyfooting around. You know, he's here to make changes and to get Villa higher at the table. And I think the, the players are responding well to it. It's, it's great. What a great time to be a Villa fan at the moment. Well, the, the, the other part of this as well, as I noticed against Leicester and especially in that second half, was how robust he's made that midfield three. So it's Nakamba he's got currently playing through the middle for him, very yeah. much there to break things up, win his battles. Louise and McGinn are both ex- accepted as being really good footballers, but they're also absolute scrappers as well. They, they love a tackle, they love a battle. And that's something Liverpool are going to have to be prepared for, I think. Louise and McGinn and Nakamba is about as robust as a centre midfield three as I think you'll see outside the top six in the Premier League. Do you think? I mean, I, 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 the, the, the big. Well, the point is, like, you could play. You can play Louise six. McGinn's yeah. a big footballer who puts himself about. You know, yeah. he's, he's a physical presence. It's not the idea that they're any. You know, I don't think that they're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. Uh, you know, they're not gonna skewer you. They're not gonna outwit you. But they could mm. battle a lot of teams. I think. Yeah, I think Nakamba's the, the weakest one out of that. To be honest, it, having said that, he's had a good few weeks under Steven Gerrard, so maybe he's one of those players who's been you know, re-energised by Steven Gerrard coming in. But I do like that as a core because you've got Nakamba in the middle and then Doug and uh, McGinn are flanking him. And it means that they can kind of push up a little bit as well because John McGinn, his consistency is unbelievable. Every game, he has a good game, John McGinn. And I love seeing him push up and, you know, he'll take that cheeky shot and he'll he'll make the defence feel a little bit on the back foot and you never quite know where he's going to go and what he's going to do. And so to have that kind of solid three in the middle, I also have to say, it's I really like seeing Watkins start up front. Obviously, Ings is out at the moment. It's going to be interesting when Ings comes back to see what Gerrard does, because that has been the big debate with Villa all through the season. It, what formation do we play? How many attackers do we have on the pitch? I've got to say, credit to young Jacob Ramsey yeah. as well. You know, he's having that kind of solid midfield of the three you're talking about means that Brendia on the right and Ramsey on the left, they are roaming a bit more and they are just being a bit cheekier and they're just getting stuck in. I mean, I don't know what you think. I think it was a goal. I think I think it was I I, I think it I think if it isn't a goal, it should be one. I think it's one of those where the rules don't help the footballers. Um, mm. That's my sort of thing. I think the rules don't help the footballers on ones like that. But if it isn't a goal, it should be one. Uh, you mentioned there Buendia as well. It looks as though he's, as you said before, he's beginning to enjoy himself a little bit uh, in there too. A concert obviously nets a couple of times and he's a constant threat. <laughs> it's a, vill- it's a villa team with threats everywhere. It's a, it is a villa team with threats everywhere. Like Liverpool should not be complacent about Saturday, should they? Uh, I don't think so. And I wouldn't have said that a few months ago. I think the other thing that, you know, what's great about Villa at the moment, I think Liverpool are a team that's set up to do this and they, they'll do this well, but it's the set pieces, the threat from set pieces from Villa at the moment. I mean, we've got a set piece coach and we're all joking about that a few weeks back. We haven't scored any goals from set pieces for a good few months, but it seems to be working and it's great to have those, you know, Mings and Konza tough at the back and a great partnership there. But also they love getting up and yeah, from from our set piece play, there's definitely a threat there at Anfield on the on the weekend too. Give me a prediction. Uh, I think Liverpool are going to win it. I think Liverpool are unstoppable. But like you know, I think it'd be a very similar kind of conversation after the Villa Man City game where they beat us two one. But you know what? We played well and we played with heart. And I think that would be exactly the same Villa team you see at the weekend. 
Yeah, nice one to Ben there. Um, in terms of a, a team for this one, Sean, we'll, we'll start with the defence. I'm expecting it to be pretty much the, the same as Wolves. I think you could say that probably throughout the team, but in terms of defence, I think it's 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 important now that we get a bit of that consistency. And, you know, Joel Matip has, has been probably Virgil van Dijk's favourite partner. I think it's, it's fair to say, obviously, him and Joe Gomez had a, had a bit of a bromance off the pitch. But I think in terms of, you know, actual playing, Joel Matip is probably the, the number one option. And given Gomez's re- recent injuries as well, he would be the one you'd probably keep him for this one. Yeah, definitely. You know, as Ian said before, we're in a title race here. So, um, you've got... And, and listen, we benefited from winning all our Champions League group games, certainly up until the Milan points and getting through early so we could rest players in the yep. week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think I think it's just natural that you revert back to pretty much the same team that played against Wolves um, with the exception of one or two. Maybe you've got a knock or injuries or stuff. I know Jota um, has, has potentially got a knock there. So, so for me, yeah, I mean, yeah, yes for Matip. I think that, that that's a no-brainer. Um, and, and the rest of the team, for me, is pretty much similar to Wolves. Yeah, Phil, I wonder whether he's got a bit of a, of a thing around Gomez now. Obviously, he's got to manage him coming back from injury, but he doesn't play in the week. Obviously, he plays Nat Phillips and Kanate. But, you know, we hear today that Nat Phillips has fractured his, his cheekbone, which is obviously a bit of a blow if he wanted to leave Liverpool in January, but also a, a blow to Liverpool if Joe Gomez is, is not quite near to fitness because it means you're now relying on, on Kanate as sort of the backup centre-half to, to those two and you don't have the second option to, to go to. So you'd sort of wonder whether there is a bit of a, bit of a managing Gomez's game time to, to get him back up to speed but I mean for this one it, it does just feel like the no-brainer to be throwing Joel Matip in there again Oh yeah 100% and, and you know to be honest he's probably been the standout centre-half for yeah. us I think most of this season he's, he's been absolutely brilliant and maybe slightly you know underrated looking from the outside um, in but yeah no jo- Joe Gomez is interesting isn't it because it feels like he, he's just constantly had these little niggles and these little knockbacks were just at the wrong time when you thought you know the Milan game would have been perfect for him wouldn't it to, to get some minutes and also a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of confidence from the manager as well because I do feel like he's sort of gone a little bit, you know, amiss in terms of being in the, in the conversation as as much as he used to be, and that's something important I think with the squad. We, you know, we talk about injuries and everything, but when everyone is fit, as it, it does seem to be in, uh, in those positions, it can be it can be tough because you want to keep them happy, and you know we can't forget what he's done in in, in the past. He's been brilliant. That run he went on with Matt Van Dijk and the team. Uh, couple of seasons ago you know he was absolutely brilliant probably one of the best center halves in the country at that point so yeah it is about getting him back this christmas period is difficult though because there's just no there's no chance really to give people rhythm in the sense of you know the results are really important each game is really important but also any little not setbacks in terms of injuries you're, you're missing loads of games in a short period of time so yeah i, I would look to go unchanged uh, in the defense from that Wolves game I, th- I think that the thing about Gomez as well, that, you know, we've got to remember he's still really young. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For, for a centre half, um, and I think Klopp's aware of that as well because, yeah. you know, it's it's gone through my mind. You know, especially when you had Nat Phillips there the other day. Well, why, why isn't Gomez there? And we know he picks up knocks and stuff. But listen, Gomez is one for the next five, six years. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think um, I think what, what is he twenty four or something yeah. like that? Well, he's, he's like he's like a couple of months younger than Nat Phillips, isn't he? Which is always like the, the one that catches <laughs> yeah, me out. Yeah, a couple of months, like a like yeah. couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, either the defense was a bit mad for for the Porto game, but I th- I thought it worked quite well in in this in the sense of you know dealing with the threat that it, that Milan were offering, which albeit wasn't much of one, but I think particularly the the, the fullbacks Nico Williams and Costa Simicas did their did their chance to get in game time, absolutely no harm. But I think you know as as we keep saying throughout this, we are in a title race, and these these games feel so important. This one on Saturday feels so important, and it would be you know some decision from the manager to look past Andy Robertson and Trent for this one. 
Yeah, no, they've got to play. Um, I think I think Costas has done really well, um, and I love this little kind of you know cameo from the bench where he was dancing around at Wolves. Yeah. I mean, it just showed the kind of togetherness that's in the squad. And the manager deserves all the credit for that because he's obviously fostering that um, along with some of the other senior players. Um, and he has done he has done great when he's come in. But I think Robbo in recent games has just reminded everyone that he is world class and that he is the best left back at the club. I think you go exactly the same as what we went against Wolves if everyone's available Um, I wouldn't change it I think there are opportunities against Newcastle and against Leicester in the League Cup where you can flex the squad a little bit I think the Newcastle one on Thursday um, you know they're not in they're not in particularly great form off they know they've obviously got the win now against Burnley but they're not a great side and I think you wouldn't be making wholesale changes in that game don't get me wrong but you have got the ability to maybe bring in three or four and just kind of tweak it a little bit um, with, the, with the kind of Christmas period coming up but then you've got the Spurs game on the horizon now I'm assuming that will go ahead but there probably is some doubt over that um, given the game against Brighton's off so I want to see the same team Josh and I think you know they've got rhythm now and I think sometimes you can actually you actually play people out of rhythm by, by giving them too much rest. You've seen it with this Liverpool team where people have gone, well, they've had 10 days break and they've come back and actually it hasn't gone particularly well. Yeah. So I think I'm fine just to see the same lads go again. I don't expect any massive changes. I think there are one or two who are really kind of pushing. You know, Oxley chamberlains done well in recent weeks and I think there'll be opportunities for them possibly on the Thursday. Um, but also, you know, if Liverpool can get some of these games wrapped up, kind of 70-75, there's chances for lads to come on, like Joe Gomez, and just get a few more minutes. Yep. There's talk of him going out on loan. I don't want to see any of that. Oh. Um, we, we can't be leaving ourselves short at centre-half again. And I understand he probably needs a little bit of rhythm, but I think there's enough games where someone like Joe Gomez can he can play the Leicester game. He maybe can get some minutes at Newcastle, even if it's only the last 20 or half an hour, and just start to build his fitness. It's really difficult on the back of an injury where... He's had loads of them, and then he's had another serious one. And you often see it where players come back and they'll just pick up little niggles all over the place. Van Dijk's probably been a little bit of an exception to the rule. He saw it with Laporte, who came back for City a little bit too quick, and he's just picking up niggle after niggle. And you know, you feel so sorry for Gomez because I do think when he's back to his best, he is without a doubt one of the top centre halves in the league. That season that um, Phil was referencing, where Van Dijk and him had that partnership. I wouldn't have swapped him for anyone. He was that good. It's easy to forget the level that Joe Gomez got to. He was without doubt at that time the best young centre-half in European football, in world football, no question about it. He was brilliant. There was times when you know, Van Dijk was the number one, no doubt about it. But there were games when Joe Gomez was, was even outperforming Van Dijk in certain games. I think about Leicester away. Um, where Alisson makes the mistake that day Joe Gomez is immense he was brilliant on the cover his recovery pace was just superb so that is a centre half that Liverpool need to keep hold of they need to look after and I've no doubt um, that they can get him back to his best you just you have that little kind of worry in the back of your mind about how many injuries he's had mm. but you just hope that um, you know we can get somewhere close to his best because what a player when he is. Yeah, Sean, we mentioned before about making sure we, we get that midfield, the one which obviously starts the, the Wolves game on the pitch as much as possible. And I imagine that would be the case again. But, you know, Ian referenced it there, the, the potential for, for fitness issues going to this one. And Jurgen Klopp addressed a few of them. And it seems like there's still potentially a bit of a doubt around Jota. He, they said he, he said he could train today, but he's not trained yet this week. Divock Origi was given an extra rest day. And, and Ian mentioned about lads who were knocking down the door. I, I don't know what more Divock Origi could be doing at the moment. <laughs> if, if, if Diogo Jota's going to be out for this yeah. one, then, then you wouldn't mind falling back on Divock at the moment, would you? Listen, Divock plays on all this, doesn't he? 
so get him in the team. He'll probably score an trick. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I agree with Ian. To be honest, if 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 Josh is fit, he has to play. Yeah. You, you, you have you have to go with that from free because they've been brilliant for us. I know I know we missed a, a sitter against Wolves, um, but look look that happens at the end yeah. of the day for all for, for all the goals he scored. I think we can allow him that one, particularly as we won the game yeah. in the end. Um, so yeah, for me, Josh has got to come back in. And I see that Fabino Firmino, sorry, is back in training. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's only a good thing coming coming into this period that we're coming into. If we can get to 70-75, as Ian says there again, you know, with the game wrapped up, which touch wood, you know, we can do, then I'd like to see Firmino come on because I think he, I honestly, I don't think he can underestimate how important he is mm. to this team. And I know we've been brilliant for the last six games whilst he's been out. Um, but I think, you know, bringing him back into the fold just, just makes us that, that much more formidable for me. Yeah, Phil, just when you think you're out with Divock, he, he does something to pull you back in. Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind him starting this game at all. I think, you know, I agree with Sean and Ian. If, if, the, if the chance is there to, to get all the lads on, if they're all fully fit, and if Diogo Jota's fully fit, then I think it's it's a no-brainer. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind more Divock action. No, I'm never going to say no to that. To be, to be honest, it, it brings in a wider thing, doesn't it, with the squad? And, you know, we talked about earlier how, you know, Liverpool seem to be, seem to have the last couple of seasons really figured out how to get into the best shape going into this period. But this is the first time in a while where it feels like the whole squad is purring. That the, there's options that you yeah. you would be really comfortable coming in, and that gives him that gives him ch- a chance to make changes within the games, but also the odd one here and there. You know, if, if Simicast started tomorrow, none of us would have any questions really, would we? we we'd all be fine with it. There'd be no there'd be no problem there. So it's 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 really good to be in that shape. And Divock's just another one of those those options, isn't he? Where you know he scored two and two games. You, you can't ask for more than that. Chamberlain's another one where. I, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be against it if 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 I saw him in the, in the starting lineup tomorrow. You know, the, these are all guys who've who've got the minutes and they they look like they're in rhythm. So it, it's a great great place to be in. And, and if it is Divock tomorrow, then bring it on. <laughs> yeah, Ian, we we started off the show talking about sentiment, and I think there's been maybe an argument in the past that Divock is is one of those players who's who's been given more than enough sentiment. But I think you know it's during these spells where where Divock proves what he what he truly is. And I've loved everything that Jurgen Klopp has, has said about him recently because you know he's obviously got him with that sentiment and called him the Liverpool legend and said all these things. But you know I think Pep Linder said it in a press conference of the week. Divock Origi is a world class finisher, and he's and he's still got you know so many good attributes for this Liverpool side. And, and, and honestly if, if Diogo Jota isn't fit then you wouldn't mind seeing Divock again I mean fair play to the lad because I think <laughs> I'd probably and I don't think I'd be alone in this I think I think lots of us would have written him off because yep. there was times where and again you know your man can play tricks a little bit but there were a lot of times in recent kind of months where he was coming in and people would maybe just head down kind of shrug the shoulders and think Divock but you know some of that maybe was down to the fact he was getting played out wide a lot of the times and that didn't really lend itself to his game and I have to say, he looks a man now who just looks completely focused on the job in hand. I thought he was great in Milan. Uh, someone put his goals out, I think it was yesterday, uh, just on Twitter, and you forget just how many great finishes he's got. Mm. I mean, that point about being a, a, a fantastic finisher and one of the best at the club, you know, it isn't wrong. Because mm. when you look at some of those goals, you know, the one against Everton where he just pulls it out the sky, I think Lovren plays the ball and it's, it's unbelievable. But there's probably 10 or 12 that are just world-class finishes maybe more um you know the, the Barcelona one it's mm. far harder than you, than people probably give it credit for um but there's loads where it's just it's just a brilliant finish and there's you know, there's not many players at the club who can probably execute some of the finishes that I'm talking about um I think there are times when he'll frustrate and I think you know you've almost got to accept that a little bit I would still go with the front three that we've talked about because I think Villa and people will know that I'm not a huge fan of Tyrone Mings but I just think he's an accident waiting to happen and mm. that's not saying he can't have a good game tomorrow because of course he can but I think if you get players like Jota and Salah around him 
I think there's there's loads of potential for Liverpool just to take fucking all kinds because I think he's just one of those fellas who looks like he's going to put a rash tackle in or he's going to do something silly or he's going to kind of overplay the ball something like that. I think Divock is perfectly set up for Newcastle at home because I think they look like a pack of shite at the park <laughs> and I think Divock's physical presence. Um, I don't think they want any any part of that. So I think if you can save David for Thursday, um, you wouldn't be surprised to see him. You know, slots a couple of goals, but if I think if we can get Salah and Jota and Mane in and around that filler back four, then there's, there's possibilities for Liverpool. Don't get me wrong, I think one thing Gerard has done, he's improved them defensively. Yep. Mm. He did it at Rangers and he's done it at Villa. And I didn't see any of the City game because it clashed with the Liverpool game, but I saw the highlights. And even in that second half, you could see they'd made massive strides compared to what he'd seen in the first half. So he's clearly a fella who's able to go in and change things at half time. Um, I think we've all been impressed with what he's done at Rangers. But even in a short time at Villa, three wins out of four, you can't really knock that. So whilst we're talking about games being wrapped up and listen, this Liverpool can, team can take anyone apart, I do think it'll be a tough test on Saturday. Yeah, tough test. We'll, uh, we'll round off with score predictions and Sean, I'll come to you for your score prediction for the game. Yeah, I mean, um, don't really like doing predictions, so I'm just going <laughs> to say that um, one more than them will do me. <laughs> what? Go for a, a nervy 2-1 for some reason. Maybe because I'm ill. I'm, I'm feeling down. You know. I was going to say 2-1. I'll go 3-1. Oh. I'll go 3-1. I'll just say it'll be tough. A late third. A late third. Everyone who listens to the show knows I'm not a shithouse. And since all my guests have been shithouse with their score predictions there, I'll go for a Liverpool 3-0 because why not? Because there'll be sentiment attached to this one. But as Ian said, these Reds can take absolutely anybody and any kind of sentiment apart and win the game.